Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Expediters Podcast, where you can hear about front-of-mind topics in the logistics and freight forwarding industry through the lens of a global logistics provider. I'm your host, Chris Parker, and today's topic, managing and measuring what doesn't happen. You can track a shipment through its various milestones to see it delivered, but tracking the success of your supply chain and trade compliance as a whole can be a bit difficult. Why would it be, though, as long as you're able to avoid delays, fines, and errors, right? No news is good news. Is there anything to be done with no news? I mean, what value does measuring what's not happening have, and why invest in that? And how does data give a clear picture of where you stand with compliance? With me today is the director of Tradeflow at Expeditors, Nick Beeler, to chat more about it. Welcome to the podcast, Nick. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, Tradeflow, what is that and what's its relationship to Expeditors? Yeah, so Tradeflow is a trade data management or global trade management system. Uh, it's a web-based system that we at Expeditors developed. Uh, we sell it to our customers. Um, the customers that we have are really focused on trade compliance, you know, moving goods across borders mm-hmm. and managing all the complexities, all the different data attributes that you need. Um, you need to convey to customs authorities and other regulatory agencies. Gotcha. Okay. And you as director, what do you do uh, for Tradeflow? So I oversee a team and the development of our system, um, the implementation with our customers, um, all of our marketing, um, operations, you know, all the different aspects. We're kind of like a little small business or mm-hmm. in the expediters world, we're like a small branch within the company. But you're not a subsidiary. You are, you know, we're, you're in the um, expediters, infused into expediters, essentially. Yeah, we are. We're not a subsidiary. We actually are part of the expediters company, a solution that we offer. Gotcha. Okay. So the question, and I've been asking kind of people this lately. I've uh, been really curious about it too. Um why do you care about data and compliance and, and, and providing the service to customers? Yeah, you know, I think it's really interesting because um, we deal a lot with customs and trade and, and these things relate to, you know, government decisions, um, political strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's very much, it's like front page news the last few years with the, the, the U.S.-China relations and the trade war. Um, and, and even going back further, you know, things like, you know, government subsidizing industries, yeah. um, companies trying to undercut and sell below price in a target market, you know, that ties into anti-dumping. So there's all these things I think that governments do for re- you know, good reasons. And um, then it gets to the point of, okay, you're, you're a company, you're trying to move your goods across borders. Mm-hmm. All this complexity has been laid out for you. And how, how do I manage that? Mm-hmm. Um, then it comes down to, to the data points. Um, these are all the data points I need to collect um, and manage and distribute um, and audit. And it just, it starts to get pretty complex. Sure. And so then Tradeflow is able to collect all that, synthesize it, make it make sense for people uh, in, a, in, in one location, essentially. For sure. Yeah, definitely centralizing it. So it's the platform. Um, and it's also aggregating a lot of different countries because, you know, every country does things a little differently. Yeah. So there's, there's classification schedules, there's screening lists. Um, and they are country-based or sort of regional union-based at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like you're a customer, you've got your data, that's always changing. And then all of the trade data, you know, the public trade data, that's all changing too. And you're just trying to synthesize and keep up with it all. Okay, cool. And while we're on the topic of data, let's uh, get right into today's topic. I I picture you on this deep personal journey, 
you know, kind of hiking through the cascades and, you know, you stop for a drink of water and, and taking the magnificence and, and grandiosity before you. And all of a sudden, a, a like a hummingbird lands on your shoulder and, and whispers into your ear, measuring successful trade compliance is difficult due to the lack of positive data points. And you spend the rest of your time, you know, contemplating the wisdom of the Pacific Northwest. Is that more or less how we got to where we're talking about this topic today? In, in a way, yeah, I've definitely <laughs> taken a lot of walks. Uh, you painted a much more beautiful picture than my neighborhood walks. I'm a, I'm a little envious of that, actually. Um, maybe something to, to strive towards this year. Sure. Uh, no, so it kind of goes back. I was reading this book last year. It's called Upstream, mm-hmm. and it was really focused on you know managing things you know upstream, not downstream. Very right. simple concept. Um, but beyond that, I, what I found was really interesting was, you know, a lot of the examples in there, um, you know, whether it was, you know, public traffic safety or healthcare, uh, there's there's a lot of things in those worlds that you're trying to prevent bad things from happening. Mm-hmm. You're trying to prevent car accidents, people from tripping on a sidewalk or in healthcare, you're trying to prevent, you know, a greater pandemic outbreak or other things. Um, and it's like, how do you know you're successful? How do you know that you've avoided that thing from happening. Um, it doesn't show itself by its nature. So you spent this time, you spent this money. How do you know you were successful? And it, it really resonated to me in the trade compliance world because um, it's very similar in that you're, you're trying to you know, suppress things from happening mm-hmm. um, or mitigate them if they do. And so you don't get those positive signals. You don't get that feedback. Uh, so it, for me, it really resonated. And I started thinking about, okay, that's for, that's what we do. We're trying to manage things that that don't happen. So then what do you do with that, you know, no news is good news perspective and, and kind of invert it? You have to take um, a bit of a macro pick, uh, you know, view of things, I would say, sure. which can be uh, a before and after. Mm-hmm. So you have to say, okay, here's our current state. Here's what we're doing. Um, are we stopping and measuring what we're doing? And it doesn't have to be overly scientific because that, that sounds like, geez, how do we stop and measure? We're so busy. There's mm-hmm. stuff coming at us left and right. Yeah. And when do we start? Right. I mean, it's like you could have you could have started five years ago. Sure. But you could always start today. Um, and, and so I think it's important to measure something. And mm-hmm. it could be the number of emails that you're sending to your broker or to your forwarder. You could probably track that with some collaboration with your IT group. Uh, it could be, um, you know, survey, survey, um, results that you do. A lot of times, you know, we at Expediters will do business reviews with our customers, um, you know, and I'm sure vendors, you know, would do reviews as well. So your forward or a broker would do a review with another customer. Um, so I think, you know, measure your, your current state. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you may have already been implementing a system or a process. Uh, but certainly if you are looking to implement something and you're trying to get approval from your management, you're trying to say, okay, well, this is going to be an expense. We're going to invest in a system and a platform to manage this stuff. Right. How are we going to know that we're successful? How can we come back in a year and tell our management that we saved you know, 2,000 hours or we saved X amount of dollars? So you, if, you, if you don't measure the current state, you're going to have a hard time coming back later and showing those savings. When you uh, worked with customers in the past or, or peers in your space, what has been the common relationship that's been described between customers and their data? You know, it, it does depend on on the, the company, the customer and, sure. you know, the kind of industry they're in. Uh, definitely some industries like, like healthcare, for example, I know I used that analogy earlier. Healthcare is a highly regulated industry for good mm-hmm. reason. Yeah. Um, you know, food, same thing. So you do see that certain customers, certain industries have more complexity than others. 
you know, another example would be uh, the defense industry, or you could say aerospace, you know, defense contractor, um, you know, people who are her sh- shipping goods that need licenses. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you just, you see that you definitely see patterns that certain industries are just more exposed to the complexity of the trade data than others. Mm. That's for sure. Which means then more exposure to risk and failure and, and other kinds of, <laughs> of headaches along the way, right? Yeah, for sure. And then, so another aspect of this is, you know, tolerating failure. Um, you know, I think there's certain industries that can tolerate failure more than others. Uh, they tend to be the more, the ones that are more highly regulated have less tolerance for failure. Again, those the defense contractor, you know, food, you don't want to have food, food that makes everyone sick. You don't <laughs> no. want to have a healthcare product that doesn't work or, right, you know, right. injure someone. So there's less tolerance for failure there, but you might have a, you might have a product that, you know, we can tolerate some failure just so that we can learn from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's another other aspect of this too. Um, when looking at those failures, then I don't want to focus on like in a, in too negative of a, of a, of a way, but how can those be reversed? Like what good can come out of understanding your risk tolerance? Yeah. So I would say if you're looking to change, you're looking to try to do something different, um, you know, can you tolerate a little bit of failure and it might be temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just, an example would be, okay, let's try this system out for three months. And assuming you don't have a long-term, you know, commitment for multiple years. So you've got, you obviously got some flexibility there. So let's try this out for three months and let's see how it goes. If, um, you know, it might, might be a little bit of ramp up at first. So let's give it some time. And then, you know, did we find that, you know, did it make things better or it could have made things worse? You know, certainly that's, that's always an option. You know, we tried this system out. We found that um, our stakeholders, maybe it's our forwarders, our brokers, they hate it or our people hate it. <laughs> right. Um, and so there's always that possibility that trying something won't work, but you need to give it a little bit of time. And, and so that's why I would say is, can we tolerate kind of some failure and quotes there and that, yeah, maybe it made things worse. And so, but we can pull back from that. Mm-hmm. Okay. At least we tried something and our people, our people, our employees hopefully appreciated that we are trying to help them that if they are overwhelmed with work and complexity, uh, we tried something and then now, okay, let's try something else. Like there's always another option to try. So speaking to, you know, analysts or, you know, uh, compliance specialists, you know, even legal teams, how can they advocate, I guess, a little bit more for measuring and investing in um, measuring what doesn't happen? Yeah, it's it's tough uh, because they don't have access to as many positive signals mm-hmm. um, that perhaps the logistics team has that when they see they see their shipments moving and they see whether they're on time or not. Um, they feel the, the requests for documents or the requests for information, you know, freight's got to move. It needs information. If it doesn't have the information, it stops. Right. It's, it's always happening that that information is ever present. So, you know, for those people that are managing the trade compliance side, can they collaborate with the logistics side who, who is getting those, those, positive signals, or they're getting the signals at least. Mm -hmm. And it might just be a conversation just to sit down and say, Hey, how's it going? How's the freight moving? Um, Are you getting what you need from us? What are the kinds of questions that you're, you're getting from our forwarders and our brokers? Are they finding information is missing? Did they, um, you know, did they find that information was inaccurate? Mm -hmm. You know, say, say we implemented a system like a trade flow system 
and you're feeding data over to them, is that information reliable? Um, you know, or did they say, no, this, this is not right. You, you can't, that's not the right, right data element. Or did the information actually feed? You know, did the data feed itself happen? So those, I think those logistics groups, they are getting those signals more often um, and they're, they're just always there. So can you, can you talk to them? Can you just have a conversation, get that feedback and then start to correlate it to what you're doing in your group managing the trade compliance side? What can teams, uh, what, what can trade compliance teams be asking themselves uh, to improve the relationship and come up with new or, I don't know, meaningful ways to understand their data? You know, we talked earlier about, um, you know, measuring where you're at today. Mm -hmm. And then if you try something, measure it after you try it, whether that's three months or 12 months. I think another aspect of this is you can, you can look further back. You can look two, three years backwards and and see what your company and your department had, had experience. Did you have, you know, maybe you went through an audit, like a full-blown audit with, with uh, customs or another authority. Sure. Or, or maybe it wasn't to that extent, but you got a lot of um, requests for information. There's like in the US, they have um, CF28s, you know, requests for information. And it's not really an audit, but they're just, they're trying to understand what you're doing as an importer. Um, and so, yeah, try to go back and see what you can collect. Um, and that'll actually help build that baseline a little bit better too. Um, it's more retroactive, so it's not as perfect as doing it in the moment. Um, but I think as much as you can kind of self-reflect and look backwards and go, okay, how has it been? How did we get to where we're at today? Especially if you're looking to make any kind of investment in systems, mm -hmm. you want to be able to tell that story to your management and say, hey, you know, we just went through two years where we spent a lot of time answering questions from customs or answering questions from our stakeholders, like our brokers. And, you know, we're, we're here today, we're having this conversation because we know there's a better way. Mm -hmm. But you need to have something to show. You have to be able to go back and pull and, and share that experience. Um, and so I think anything that can be data is great, or if it's more anecdotal, I think that's okay too. But there's gotta be something that you've, you've looked back retroactively on. And this is something that allows you to kind of identify trends before they become big disasters that can really impact a company. Um, give me an example of something that would be something you would not be able to identify in the short term, but once you look back uh, further, you can be like, oh, that's not going the right direction. Yeah, there's probably a few examples. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's tricky because, yeah, these things like compliance issues can be slow moving and they can mm -hmm. definitely creep up over time. Uh, so, and, you know, along with that, it may take a while to show the success. Um, but on the other side, it's like, okay, you, you may not realize, but you have this slow moving issue creeping up. And for instance, uh, let's say you're, you're, you're shipping to your, your customers all around the world. You don't really have a good sense of who they are. You're just kind of taking orders and it's like, Hey, if they want to buy our product, we'll ship to them. Sure. Great. We'll take the business. That's a real like loose you know, compliance approach, and it's not recommended. Um, there, there could be a party that's a denied or restricted party by one of one of the governments around the world, and they get on those lists for different reasons. So, if you don't really know your customer or know your supplier, you know, on the on the front end, and you're not screening them to determine if they're on a list, you might be fine at first. This might go on for a year or two or more, mm -hmm. but eventually, it's probably going to catch up with you. And someone's going to figure that out, um, whether it's just a, a random coincidence or 
or someone maybe realizes later and goes, hey, you're not screening, you're not really checking, and someone starts checking, and they realize, oh, shoot, we've been shipping to someone we shouldn't have been, or, or, or buying from a supplier that's denied. So yeah, it you got to be careful because that stuff can kind of lurk there in the shadows and creep up on you later. Yeah, and, and something that I'm thinking about is if you're lenient in your trade compliance and you're shipping to you know destinations that aren't really... Uh, in line with any uh, regulations, there are processes that are being cemented and, and strengthening as these shipments are being delivered. And once you look back and say, okay, we actually need to make some huge changes, I would imagine they're pretty difficult to undo. Like you're, 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 you're not only tangling uh, a fishing net or, or a fishing wire or something like that, you're, you're also like super gluing it together in some ways. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's the expression, there's no time like the present, right? Mm -hmm. So even if you do find that you have this tangled fishing net, um, it, it sure is hard to untangle, um, but you better not wait any longer to do that. Right. Um, Trying to think if I could extend the fishy metaphor for you further, but I, I don't <laughs> it just think came. I can. It just came to me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll think of it tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's yeah. I mean, just because you found something that was all tangled up doesn't mean you should do nothing. I mean, that's probably stating the obvious. Um, and a lot of times, if you do, you know, find yourself in hot water on on one of these issues, mm -hmm. it, it can benefit you as a company if you realize it, you self-report it, and you start mitigating it right away. Um, that that usually does benefit you. Um, so if you get to a point where you have to self-disclose something and you get fined, maybe that fine is less than mm -hmm. it otherwise would have been. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it definitely helps to, you know, if you're looking back, like we talked about, you're looking back two, three years, if you discover something, okay, what are we going to do about it now? Right, right. Um, let's put some systems in place, some processes, some checkpoints, um, so it doesn't happen again. Uh, we have more visibility. We have more control. Um, you know, that, that can be really helpful. And it, you know, it's, I think it's much better too than just throwing staff at the problem. Right, um, right. A better process will always win over just more staff. Yeah. And, and this speaks to your earlier point about, you know, trying to avoid slapping on solutions onto things, you know, with a really short-term perspective, you want to be looking, I mean, thank, thank goodness you were recording for however many years to identify these things, um, to avoid just bigger headaches, bigger trouble, um, bigger, you know, loss of business and things like that, bad press, you know, whatnot. Yeah. I always appreciate talking to the companies that that take this really seriously. They're really mm -hmm. invested, um, and you know, there's always companies that don't. And you're you're you have to kind of strike that line and 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 somewhat convince them, hey, this is this is really important. There's a lot mm -hmm. of value here. Um, but I always love talking to the companies that you know they buy in, they get it. Um, and sometimes they had an issue, they had an audit, they had something they in the past. And that kind of cemented that culture of compliance in that company. Um, so some people, you, you learn the hard way sometimes. You know, yeah, that, that's absolutely. true. Um, it's always better if you don't have to learn the hard way. <laughs> but I definitely enjoy talking to those customers that, you know, they've got that culture of compliance, just like we do at Expeditors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so we're just, we're seeing like, you know, like-minded there. What are, what are those kind of qualities then that exist in successful companies? Well, outside of, you know, a culture of compliance, is there anything else that you, you feel like you've been able to see or, or that uh, just tends to be a commonality between the companies that are just doing really well? Yeah, there's probably a few things that come to mind. I mean, attention to detail will be one. I mean, sure. that's a general, general skill that we appreciate in a lot of areas. Uh, I think in the compliance world, it's, it's super important. Um, another one would be just not letting things persist and fester, you know, don't, don't tolerate that, that slow moving creeping issue. Mm -hmm. 
you know, because it's like, oh, it might be okay for now, just that one time. It's like, no, just that one time is not okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> we have to stop right now. Yeah. And so I think that's just really important. People that just, they don't tolerate deviating from the right path. Um, and, and then they have that, they had that detail, attention to detail to notice it um, and to be willing to commit to, to working on it. So, yeah, we, we appreciate that because I think it's very much in our expediters culture too. Yeah. It, it, a, a commitment to discipline is, is ultimately yeah, kind of how you sure. boil that down. Yeah, absolutely. What would be some unique uh, sources, I guess, of information that a company could look to that they may already be receiving in order to really understand whether they're being successful, compliant, et cetera? Yeah. So this, this might be somewhat of a reach, but I think it could, it could work. Um, if you sure. look at employee satisfaction scores, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know at Expediters, we do that. We score ourselves uh, all the time. Um, and so if you can get a sense from your department, how, are your employees satisfied? How is that changing year over year? Um, and maybe look deeper than just the, the overall score. Mm-hmm. Look at the comments, um, the the real anecdotal material underneath there. What are they saying? Um, and you know, hopefully too, it's not just a once a year uh, employee survey. You're you know, you're sitting with your employees, you're talking with them, you're one on ones, mm-hmm. you're asking them the question. You know, how is it going? You know, how is your workload? What could we be doing different? Could we be doing something better? Um, you know, hopefully you're having those conversations throughout the year because a lot of times is your people, your your analysts, your specialists, they're on the front line. They're the ones talking to the forwarders and all the stakeholders in your supply chain. Mm-hmm. Um, so just make sure, I guess, you're close to your employees. Um, yeah. You're going to get probably a lot of information and overall that may not relate to this topic. Um, but I think it's a good opportunity, though, to to really search and pull out this topic and understand, are, are we doing the right things? Are we are we managing in the right areas? And ultimately, are we kind of preventing those those bad things from, from happening? Some companies will offer, I mean, they do customer survey scores as well. Like what can they, what kind of value can they be getting from those? Yeah. So I think you know, if you're an importer or an exporter, you're you're working most likely with with supply chain partners. So you're working with suppliers. You gotta mm-hmm. buy something, you gotta buy your stuff from somewhere. Um, so hopefully you value the way your suppliers view you. Um, whether that's a formal survey or whether that's a business review, mm-hmm. something's going on there. Um, and then on the on the you know the actual movement of the freight, you're working with a freight forwarder or logistics partner. Um, you're having business reviews with them, and you know they're sharing their feedback and they're saying, hey, you know, here's where we found a lot of trouble in the last quarter. Uh, we had to ask for information a lot in this one area. Um, maybe maybe as an importer, you rolled out new products and it kind of made sense. It's like, okay, yeah, we're still perfecting that. That's great to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll add that extra layer of um, information. We'll add that data and we'll make sure you're getting it regularly. Um, so I think it's, you know, it could be a business review, a formal business review. Um, these things could surface themselves in just sort of conversations here and there, maybe, you know, weekly meetings, um, you know, if you're having a new, bringing on a new partner, you're probably having like a weekly meeting with them or a monthly meeting. Um, so I think just be willing to ask the question of them. Um, don't wait for someone to offer it up and, and, and say, Hey, you know, we're having, we're having trouble in this area. Um, I think it's, it's in your interest to know sooner than later. Oh, absolutely. Um, just so that you can start working on it. So it's not, doesn't become a full, full blown disaster later. And then you're like really scrambling to, to fix it. Mm-hmm. So moral of the story is, you know, 
information is everywhere. You just have to know what to look for, how to capture it. And even if it doesn't necessarily tell you anything from day to day, that's still really, really valuable stuff. Because once you look back, you know, uh, five years, you know, three years or whatever, this a story has been told regardless. For sure. Uh, yeah. if, if someone were to not buy that at all, what would you say to them? <laughs> yeah, it's tough because there is so much data today. Um, mm. You know, and there's the whole, you know, um, what is it? Paralysis by analysis or maybe mm-hmm. it's the other way around. Um, yeah. And so you got to be careful. You got to pick and choose. Um, that That is for sure. However, you know, there obviously there is a story there. And I just think it is a, it's a bit of a symptom of, you know, shipments. Um Customs entries, uh, just moving freight around the world. It's it's fast and furious. It's moving all the time, and it's it's really hard to stop and just analyze things and and go back and look retroactively and see sure. what was our story of the you last. Got to keep two the years. world moving, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like how much time you have for the strategy work. Well, I don't have time for strategy because I'm just trying to stay afloat. And that's yeah. that's a reality for a lot of people. Um, I just think you got to realize it's in your interest, though, to do that, um, especially in the trade compliance world. Uh, we talked about earlier, like things can be slow moving, slow brewing. Um, you really should be stopping and reflecting and looking backwards, you know, mm-hmm. at some regularity, not necessarily every week, but do it quarterly, you know, go back and look the last quarter or the last year um, and see how things are going, how, how things have changed. Ask your people, all those things, you know, or just pick a few of them at least. And honestly, if you if you're in a go 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 mode, if you're you know if you are staying afloat, it's probably a good sign to start taking measurements so that you can see how can we avoid being in this in this operation, and how can we avoid being in this mode because that is not sustainable for anyone. For employee satisfaction, for customer satisfaction, it if you're if everything is down to the wire, that is a signal in and of itself that we need to start looking inward and we need to start looking you know, historically or you know laterally. However to come up with a clear picture as to what we can do to avoid this and be successful. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, cause you gotta say how sustainable is that if we're running around like crazy every day, it's like, <laughs> it's exciting at first, but then after a while it's like, okay, I don't know if we can keep this yeah, up. This is nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> it's not sustainable. <laughs> well, yeah. Nick, thank you so much for chatting with me about this. Um, if there, if people were interested in getting in contact with you or to learn more about you and trade flow, where can they go? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. You can also learn more about our TradeFlow product by going to our expediters.com and uh, find us online there. Um, and definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn if you're interested in learning more and happy to talk about this topic or you know, our system and what we offer in TradeFlow. Absolutely. Thanks again, Nick. And it was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate being here. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've got questions or want to learn more about today's topic, check out the show notes for more information. And before you go, make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast app you're using so you won't miss the next episode. To learn more about Expediters, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or simply visit us at expediters.com. Take care, and I'll see you next time.